<clears throat> last weekend I was burgled. <laughs> uh, I was in the house, I was asleep upstairs, so I stole my car keys, stole my lovely car. And again, you hope that your peace and your joy is not in your material possessions, but until it actually is tested, you don't know. But you know what? I can stand here and say, my joy has not been affected, my peace has not affected. Righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, not in a car or a house. So, um, things haven't been going smoothly, but God is faithful. God is true. <clears throat> um, when, um, when I was asking God to speak to me about what I, what I should bring, God gave me this word, and uh, Tim put a title up there, which I gave him, The Purpose of Temptation. Or it could be this, Knowing Jesus in Temptation. Or it could be this, Stepping up into your calling. And you think, how can that... How can they be the same thing? Well, I really believe that God is going to impart something of revelation to you about what temptation is all about. And if we can grasp hold of it, it will totally change our lives. Now, I don't know what your understanding of temptation is, or, you know, maybe Satan gets up in the morning and he says, right, Keith. Uh, what, let's have a look at Keith, 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 Keith. Oh, here we go, here we go. All right, uh, we tested him on that one and can't get him on that one anymore. Um, and he's through on that one and man, he's doing well. Ah, right. What I want you to do, demons, is to go and hit him with this and this and this. Or he might say, what, well, Mick? Mick this time. All right, okay. He's been through a lot. Has but, right, okay, oh, this is what I want you to do. Let me tell you, it is not like that. It is not like, don't give the enemy more power than he has. <clears throat> now, what I want to do is I want to show you what the purpose of temptation in the hands of the enemy and the purpose of temptation in the hands of God. Now let's be clear. The Bible says very clearly, God does not tempt us. God does not tempt us. It says in James chapter 1, verse 13, God does not tempt you. But he does use the temptations of the enemy to mature you and to make you strong. Let us turn. I want to show you something that I saw which completely changed my understanding of temptation. Really, really helped. Let's turn to uh, Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 1. <clears throat> Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, <clears throat> he was hungry. 
The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answers, It is written, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God <clears throat> and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. <clears throat> when I read this, I, it really puzzled me, verse 1. I thought, hold on a minute. It said, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. It was the Holy Spirit's initiative to lead Jesus into the desert so that the devil could tempt him. There was purpose in the heart of God to lead Jesus into the place where the devil could, be, where the devil could tempt him. It wasn't the devil's initiative. It was the Holy Spirit's initiative. There are purposes of God in the midst of the arena of temptation for you and for me. So let us look for the purposes of God when we're being tempted. What, you, know, you ask yourself, what's this about? Why is this coming against me? The dictionary definition of temptation is this. It's to do with seduction. It's to, it's to do with leading you away, taking you away from a path that you are on. Putting something in front of you that will distract your eyes and your attention away from the direction that you're going. It's about enticement. So, temptation in the hands of Satan is to entice you away from the purposes of God. If there's anything that I want you to remember about my message today is temptation is not primarily about your weaknesses. Temptation is not primarily about areas of weakness in your life. It is primarily about your calling and ministry. That's what Satan is doing with temptation. He's enticing you away from your calling. He's enticing you away from your ministry. He's trying to stop the purposes of God 
from being outworked in your life. That is what temptation is about. It's not about your weaknesses. How do I know that? You know what? I know that I've got about 30, 40 weaknesses. I'm probably tempted in three of them. I'm not tempted in all areas of my weakness. I'm only tempted in those areas that will nullify my area of ministry and cause me to be impotent in those areas. That's what temptation is about. So we begin to look at temptation in another way. We think, you know, we think, oh, I'm weak, I'm weak, I'm weak. No, you're not. You're just hammered in those areas. Time after time in the same area, you're hammered and you're hammered and you're tempted and you're enticed. No wonder you think you're weak because that is the area that you're always hammered on. That's the area that Satan keeps trying to entice you and me away from the purposes of God. So, verse 1 it says, um, Jesus was taken by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. There was hardship, there were wild animals, therefore there was fear. And for 40 days he was trying to be, the enemy was seducing him away from what God had sent him to earth for. And interesting, let's, let's just turn back to the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 8. here's another reason, um, another purpose of temptation. Deuteronomy chapter 8, the first three verses. It says this, Deuteronomy 8, verses 1 to 3. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter the, and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath, on oath to your forefathers. So here we've got people who are trying to enter into a new land. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. He led you into the desert, and then it says this, to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. Here's another purpose of temptation, to reveal what's in your heart. To reveal what's in my heart. So you look, you just think right now of an area that you are tempted in. The enemy is tempting you in that, in that area to seduce you away from the purposes of God. And God is allowing it so that, so that you will know there's something in your heart that God wants to bring to the surface so that you can get rid of because it's getting in the way. The purpose of wilderness and temptation is so that God can reveal what's in, what's in you. <clears throat> and you know what? When Jesus went into the desert, was led by the Holy Spirit, it was just after his baptism and just before his earthly ministry. Very significant time, I thought, why, why did this happen then? And then I thought, maybe Jesus had to get something sorted out in his life, in his mind, before he could start his ministry. And maybe I've got to get something sorted out. And then I thought, Jesus already had it sorted out. Tell you who had to get something sorted out? 
Satan did. Jesus had to, tell, had to communicate to Satan, you're not going to get me on this, and you're not going to get me on that, and you're not going to get me on that. And then it said, and Satan left him till a more opportune time. Maybe. Maybe those times, maybe the opportune times are when we're tired, or not very well, or frustrated, or angry with someone. But there will be opportune times that the enemy, it says the enemy is prowling around. The enemy has schemes. Not that we've got to be afraid of them. But there are times when we are more, more vulnerable and susceptible. My time, I'll tell you when my time is. First thing in the morning and last thing at night. First thing in the morning, when I, when I come out of my sleep, my mind is racing, 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 racing. And I'm thinking, there's that, and there's that, and there's that to sort out. What about that person? What about, I've got this to sort out. And I've realized that I get, first thing in the, in the morning is I get stressed. So I've had to deal with that. That is a vulnerable time for me. I wonder when your vulnerable time is. It's good to identify that. But can we say, honestly, <clears throat> that there are areas in our lives where we've struggled where we can say to Satan, you're not going to get me on this anymore, so you might as well just give up trying. I believe there are areas in my own life that I, that I can say that. I used to be a very angry person. Now, I, it's gone. It's absolutely gone. Satan cannot get me in my anger anymore. Sanctifying work of the Spirit, praise God for his faithfulness and power of the Spirit. <clears throat> I used to steal things before I was born again. Satan can't get me on that anymore. I'm as honest as the day is long and I'm a man of integrity. He knows he can't get me on that. But there are areas which I push the boundaries of my freedom. You know the first thing that God ever said to mankind? God said to Adam was, you are free. It's in Genesis 2. You are free. And the second thing he said was, you must not. Freedom with restriction is the best sort of freedom. But you know what? I, I, I test the boundaries of my freedom. I push back the line of my restriction sometimes. Why do I do that? I love the Lord dearly. I know where fulfillment of life is. I know where life and peace and joy is. Why do I wander to the edges of my freedom? It's the enticement. It's the distraction away from the purposes of God. So, temptation is there to reveal what's in your heart. So as I began to think, right, what are the areas? What are, what are the areas that I know Satan tempts me in? And I began to look and meditate and think, wow, I didn't realize that was there. I didn't realize that was in my heart. The word for temptation in both the Old Testament and the New Testament simply means this. It just means to test. There are some times that it's translated in the Bible as temptation and there are some times where it's translated 
as test or trial. Count it all joy, my friend, when you face various trials or tests. It is exactly the same word. It could have been translated, count it all joy when you face various temptations. And what I've done is I've, I've stopped using the word temptation, even though it's in the word. And I, use the, and I use the word test. It is less of a beast. It's less of an unconquerable enemy, if you call it a test. I'm, oh, I've, I'm under a lot of temptation. I'm under a lot of temptation. I'm struggling. It's a, it's a hard life. Actually, if you say, I'm just being tested at the minute. You know and I know that we've got everything. God has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. We've already got it. So let us see it, these things as tests. Not if we pass or fail, we are more or less worthy to God. That's a done deal. We are, we are never more worthy. Let me just tell you something. Um, it was a lovely thing that happened to me. Um, uh, the, I went through a period of time when, for about a fortnight, I think, I, I, did, I really tried to do everything God told me to do. And I was in, my word, in the Word, and I was praying, and I was doing everything that a Christian is supposed to do, and I was ministering, I was acts of kindness, speaking words of encouragement. And you know what? I didn't feel any more worthy. And I thought, I have understood the grace of God. Because sometimes we understand more when we've been really, really bad and really, really terrible. And somebody says to us, you know, there's nothing you can do that makes, you, that makes God love you less. And that's lovely. And that's true. But even when you're, you're the most perfect Christian yet didn't feel any more worthy because I'm already worthy. And that's the grace of God. <clears throat> now what I want to do is I want to show you something looking into these specific temptations that the enemy threw at Jesus in the wilderness. The first one, <clears throat> well, in, the, in two of them, he said, if you are the Son of God, if, if you are a Christian, if you really think that you're something, if you really are a good father or a good mother or a good friend, if, if, if. The first thing that the enemy said to mankind was, did God really say? He sows doubt in what God has said. <clears throat> if you really are the Son of God, tell these stones to turn into bread. Why that one? Why that? Anybody? Well, yeah, he was hungry. Absolutely. And I think, I think, you know, he's been fasting for 40 days. Jesus had an appetite. And Satan tried to get him to disobey God in the area of his appetite. So I would say, what, what areas of appetite do you have that Satan will get you in? Gadgets. My daughter-in-law loves shoes. She's got more shoes than I don't know whoever that Esmeralda, whatever her name is. Yeah, Emelda Markov. Yeah. Um, my daughter, who's not walking with God at the minute, though she still continues to come to church, <laughs> amazing. She loves clubbing. 
<clears throat> what areas of appetite have you got outside of God that Satan will try and seduce you away from his purpose? That's the first thing. Jesus was hungry. <clears throat> but also, you know, I saw something. These, te- these three temptations are what I, what I call messianic temptations. There were temptations that were in Satan's hands <clears throat> to try and convince that Jesus was not the Son of God, the returning King Messiah that would set the, the, the people of Israel free and also the world free. And I'll show you. Um, if we turn, let's see if I can get this. Um, if we turn to John, verse 6, sorry, chapter 6, verse 14. John, chapter 6, verse 14. Jesus had just fed the 5,000. Now, in my research, because I look into commentaries, I don't get this all on my own, and, um, I discovered that one of the expectations that the Jews had of the returning Messiah was that he would once again feed the people of Israel in the desert bread. That was an expectation that... It, when this King Messiah shows up, this is what he'll do, and that'll be a proof that he's the king. The, Satan said, turn these stones into bread. If you are the Son of God, if you are the returning Messiah, if you are the person that will set God's people free, do what they're expecting. Turn these stones into bread. And, Jesus, and uh, so we see... After the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus fed the people of Israel bread. John 6, verse 14, it says, After the people saw the miraculous sign that what Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who was coming to the world. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force. So the people of Israel had seen this miraculous uh, miracle of uh, multiplication of bread and feeding of the people of Israel. And they wanted to say, oh, this is him. This is the one. This is our expectation. He's fed the people of Israel bread. He's our king. And they wanted to take Jesus and make him king by force. So there we see Satan saying, if you are who you say you are, prove it to me. Jesus said, as it is written, The second temptation was that he said he took Jesus to the highest point on the temple and told him to throw himself off. And I thought, why? Why this? Why would Jesus try and get? Why did? Why would Satan try and get Jesus on this? And a, a second expectation of the returning King Messiah was that he would proclaim salvation from the from the rooftops of the temple. He would proclaim salvation to the poor. That's why Satan took him to the top, the highest point of the temple. If you really are this returning King Messiah, here we are, do your stuff. And Jesus replied, it is written. And then finally, on the third temptation, this third temptation 
specifically was designed to stop Jesus going to the cross. Which was the very reason why Jesus came. Satan said, look, all these nations and all that's in them, I'll give you this if you bow down and worship me. Jesus knew he was going to get it anyway by going the way of the suffering servant, not the triumphant king. So once again, the, tempta- the third temptation was meant to seduce Jesus. Kingdoms, all this wonderful wealth, don't do what your father says, come my way, worship me. And if Jesus had have done that, the world would not have been saved. And Jesus would not have fulfilled his destiny and his mission and his calling. Satan uses, the se- Satan uses temptation in the same way against you and me. But let me tell you this. Don't give Satan more power than what he, than what he has. He hasn't got omnipotence. He's not all-powerful. He's not everywhere. He's not all-knowing. I think the only thing that Satan has got, he observes and he listens. And he might, uh, he might hear um, conversations. He might know what my calling is because of what he's heard and seen. And he might know that if I... Um, if, if a certain situation happens and he, and, he, and he observes my reaction, oh, that's interesting. Steve reacts like that whenever that happens. Or if you're going through something and you easily doubt, oh, that's interesting. I'll just, I'll just sow a few more lies there. I'll just bring this person along and just say this. Satan can only observe. And if he can only observe, let us give him something to observe. Let us change our way we think. Let's change our behavior so that he can... So, so when, he, when he sees us, he thinks, oh, they don't usually do that. That's unusual. Maybe we need to react in, or respond in such a way that we say, you're not going to get me on this anymore. What does Satan stand to gain if you give in? Of the seduction of temptation. What is, you just think of, a, of an area that you know you struggle in. What, what is Satan gaining? <clears throat> what does Satan stand to lose if you overcome? <clears throat> huh? He does. He, he, stands, he stands to lose power. And another thing, if we overcome... Can I just borrow you for a moment? I just, I just want to, sh- something's just popped into my mind. So, <clears throat> here we've got Toots going, going along. Come out here. We're going to walk in that direction. You're going along and you know what God has said to you about your life and you're going, going I'm going to be the devil, by the way. So, you're going along happily and uh, you're just going about your business, doing everything that God's telling you. 
And then the devil says, look, look over here, come over here, come over here. And you get, now, she can either come or she can say, get off. And so it says over here, okay. Say, what about this over here? Look at, look at this, look at this over here. So she can either keep her eyes going straight like she's doing, or, she, or, or we can be waylaid. And what it suffers is really, yeah, we suffer, but what really suffers is the purposes of God. Where we are supposed to be going. What God has called, thank you, what God has called us into. That's what Satan's trying to get at. He's not primarily trying to get at you and me. He's trying to get at the purposes of God in our lives. You know what? Satan wants to deceive us in our area of calling and ministry. And it starts up here in our minds. In Mark 4, verse 14, it, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee when he came out of the wilderness. It says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. You bring God, and I'm going to show you something in a minute, you bring God into the midst of your temptation. You bring the power of God into the midst of the areas that you are struggling with and suddenly because of the weakness you become powerful my power is made perfect in weakness because we're inviting the Holy Spirit and I tell you I, I'm going to give you some, some steps a bit, a bit later that actually do work it, I applied these things and it transformed my life absolutely transformed my life so I know that they work some of you, let me just be very, very honest. Some of you have lingered too long in the wilderness. Some of you have put up with cyclical thinking. Maybe routines. It, within themselves, they're not sinful, but because they're routines, you just keep going round and round and round. And you are, instead of doing this, knowing where you're going into the purposes of God and shaking off whatever Satan throws, or shaking off every encumbrance that sets itself up against the purposes of God, and going and being where God wants you to be, some of you have got, you're doing this, and you're just going around in circles, and you're routine, routine, busyness, routine, routine. Some of you may have got caught up in addiction. You know what? <clears throat> when we bring God into it, it's very difficult for you to believe this, but it really is true. You and I can become so powerful in God that we wouldn't even recognize ourselves. We really wouldn't recognize ourselves. If we set about the change that I'm going to explain in a minute, you will be a different person in about three months' time you'll be a very, very powerful, effective, productive person for God. God has an amazing way of turning back Satan's attacks on his people. In 1 John 3 verse 8 it says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That was the reason why Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. So whatever work the devil is throwing at you, the reason why Jesus came is to destroy it. But not only to destroy it, in Colossians 2 verse 15 it said, and when he had disarmed 
the rulers and authorities. He made a public display of them. He made a public display of them, triumphing over them through him. So he takes these things and he, dis- and, he, and he disarms them and he destroys them. And then Jesus makes a public display of the enemy's work. Let me show you something that I've seen going through. There's a thread that goes through the whole word. If you think of... Um, anybody know the story of Esther? story of Esther? And Mordecai was the uncle who was supporting Esther. <clears throat> and the buddy, if you like, was Haman. Haman built a gallows for Mordecai to hang Mordecai. Haman was coming against the people of God. But you know what? The very gallows that, Mo- that Haman built for Mordecai was the gallows that Haman himself was hung on. And interestingly, all of Haman's sons were killed and they were put on public display after they were killed. So there we've got in the story of Esther, once again, Jesus making a public display of the enemy's work. So that was, the gallows were turned back. How was Goliath decapitated? With his own sword. David picked up the sword of Goliath and chopped Goliath's head off. The very sword that was fashioned against the people of God was the very sword that defeated Goliath. If we think of Daniel and um, false accusers caused Daniel and his friends to be thrown into the, lion, into the lion's dead. And the lions turned against the false accusers and devoured the false accusers. So the things that were coming against the people of God were defeated by the very instrument that was, what that was sent to defeat Daniel and his friends. Also, another aspect was Daniel and his friends. They were going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And it said the fiery furnace consumed the soldiers. And you, we, could, we could go on. I'm sure there's more. I mean, there's, you know, there was a man in the, in the New Testament who was searching for, for the Christians to kill them, to murder them. Who was that? It was Paul. Who did God choose to write most of the New Testament and the, and the gospel to... To, to the world really and for all generations who did God choose? the very person that Satan was using and then they, um, they try to lock Paul up what does Paul do in prison? he writes most of the New Testament so what I'm saying is don't be afraid of whatever it is that you are weak in don't, don't be afraid of the temptation because God will take that very temptation that you're struggling with, get a hold of it, defeat it, and make you strong in that area so God can say, see how strong this person is. See how strong I am. He makes a public show of them. It's not that we say, well, bring it on and bring it on, because, we're, we're, you know, let's be wise. But let's not be afraid. And we can say, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish at work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. <clears throat> now, 
I think. And what I want to do is, I, want, I actually want to be. I want. I really feel that God wants to rescue some of us. The Bible talks about God rescuing us in our temptation. And then we're going to pray in a little while. But I want to give you. I want to give you some steps to overcoming temptation. I'm going to leave these. The, the, these are the these things God gave me this morning. I actually prepared the rest of it before this morning but this next bit I haven't given you yet so I'll give you these this afternoon the first thing is and these are well known scriptures if you want to overcome temptation in areas that you're struggling with and if you want to be the person that is going like this where it was shaking off the, the distractions and the seductions and the encumbrances if you want to be that person only you know that Nobody else can do anything for you until you've decided that that's the person you want to be. The number of people that I have tried to help and I've given them counsel and I've showed them the word and I've been there for them, but really they haven't wanted to change. There is nothing I can do about that other than pray. But if you know that you're a person who really does want to be effective and productive for God, you want to be moving in your ministry and calling and reaching your destiny, the first thing, James 4, verse 7, it says, resist, submit to God. That's the first thing you do. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's what the scriptures say. First thing is, submit to God. <clears throat> I would simply put this, put it this way. Just say no. Just say no. And this, this next bit actually really, really does work. During the, during the fortnight, whenever, whenever, this was about five weeks ago, I had a fortnight where I decided to do this. And the, the scripture is, Take every thought captive. And that, and that scripture is, um, let me just, it's 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. You pray. Whenever a thought of temptation, an area of weakness comes along, you see, I used to say audibly, I used to say no. And now I'd say, Lord, help me. Because as soon as, there's a very, very short window, very short sp space of time, between temptation coming and you deciding. If you say no straight away and ask God to come in and help you, your life will be transformed. Tell you what, I did this for a fortnight. And then you might be thinking, well, why, why don't you keep it up? <laughs> I'm, I'm human, I guess. But I, but I know that, I, I know that this works. And I'll tell you what happened to me. I became so sensitive to the Holy Spirit I could come into a room and I would know exactly what God wanted to say to you I'll, I'll be at the front of a meeting and I would just wander around and I'd say you know what, this is what God wants you to know because and, when, and also whenever I pick up the word I'd just start and read it and the first half sentence the Holy Spirit would be teaching me some deep, deep truth and that's simply because I said no to temptation I took those, those thoughts captive 
So that, that actually that actually works. Um, we're mo time's moving on, and I'm not going to expand the rest of these because I don't. I want to give us time for ministry, um, but I will give all of these scriptures and all of these notes to Tim, and he will make them available. So you take every thought captive. The third thing is make reading the Word a priority. I tell you why you've got to do that because Jesus dealt with every temptation by saying it is written it is written it is written now what I'm not saying is you know the word so well that whenever something comes along you say out loud it is written what I am saying is you've got to know what God wants and you, the way we get to know what God wants is by knowing the word and so we say whenever those temptations come along you say no this is what God wants from my life that's another way of saying it is written. So make, make the word a higher priority. And the fourth thing is, in Ephesians 4, verse 1, it says, live a life worthy of your calling. <clears throat> if, you're, if you're moving in your calling and in your ministry, live a life worthy of it. Do not have secrets. Do not have things hidden. Do not push the boundaries of your restrictions. Because it doesn't work. It really doesn't work. <clears throat> so live a life worthy of your calling. Instead of focusing on your temptation and your weakness, focus on your calling. Focus on developing it. Chat to Tim, chat to, chat to others about, you know, I really want to do this. I really believe that God has got this for me. And finally, this is probably the hardest thing that you will find to do. Tell someone of your area of weakness. It says in the word, confess your sins to one another so that, so that you might be healed. People often use that for body physical, physical healing. I think it means that be, you'll be healed of your sin. I'm not saying it's not relevant. I'm not saying it's not relevant to bodily healing. But let us be people who trust each other. I'm not saying tell everyone. I'm saying tell someone that you trust. Tell a close Christian friend that you trust. If I'm struggling in this area, Please help me. I just want you to know. And you think people will think this of you. Nothing of the sort. The person you trust will think this of you. So there's those, those five steps. Now, as I, as I, how long have we got, Tim? It's coming up to one. Have we gone over? Right. <clears throat> well, I, I'm not, I'm not, you can't, um, God's not in a hurry. Um, and God is not limited by a Sunday morning. God could do this this afternoon. God could do it any time this week. <clears throat> but I believe that, there's got to, that God wants there to be a response. Um, and the response is simply this. I've had enough of living in defeat 
in this particular area. I'm not going to ask anybody to tell me what it is. But if you want to be a person who, who maybe you've let go of your dreams or your, what you know God has said to you in the past hasn't come about, but you know God said it, if you want to ask to get back on track and say, Lord, I'm even daring to believe again that there's, a, that there's a call in my life for purpose. And I'm not even, you know, God is not saying you let go, but God is saying resurrect it. Make it come alive again. What I want to do is I just want you to stand if that's it. If you want to actually say, I know that's me. I know that I know I've lingered too long in the wilderness. I just want you to stand where you are.